Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Yeah, you're back. Welcome back, Sherlyn. How's it going? Thank you. Um, you know, I, I got sick and I am less sick right now, so that's nice. That's good. I, I, I have also been trying to be less sick for the past couple of weeks, as listeners yeah. probably have noticed. So stay safe out there, folks. There's so many things going around. This week, we will be talking about uh, Elon Musk's entire Twitter fiasco and everything going on there. We got a bit of a preview last week when we heard he'd be taking over Twitter, and now we've had a couple of days of him in charge of this social network, and holy hell, it is kind of a mess, and I think kind of sad. So stay tuned for that. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Um, you can drop us an email at podcastadengadget.com. Leave us an iTunes review. That's super helpful. We typically do a live stream on our YouTube channel around 10 a.m. Eastern on Thursday. So join us for that. It's always a fun time. So joining us to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter is senior editor Carissa Bell. Hey, Carissa. How's it going? Hey, Dev. How are you? I'm okay. I am also very sad. Because I feel like I am watching in real time one of my favorite things on the internet going to hell. So Elon Musk's Twitter, like he's been in charge since last Friday. There have been so many things that have happened since then. Like I, I've honestly lost count. But he immediately uh, laid off like the the past, the previous CEO, some of the top execs. Um, we immediately saw the rise of hate speech and emboldened far right trolls, basically. Um, what, what else? So many things. Carissa, like how this is your beat. Social is your beat. So how has it been like leading up to Elon taking over Twitter? And what did you see afterwards? Well, we've known for a few weeks, you know, that this was this was coming, you know, when he and he and Twitter said that they were going to work to to close this deal after all. Um, but of course, because it's Elon Musk, like the way they even handled that was very, very different than the way most uh, acquisitions happen. There was, there's still been no official like press release. Um, the board was just fired. You never heard from them. He just walked into the office and started like acting like the boss, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. very like succession kind of, uh, <laughs> like drama, I guess. This whole um, thing is very succession. Yes. You are correct, Krista, because there was a character on succession last season played by Alexander Skarsgård, who was a bit of a, like an edgelord troll guy. And he was, clearly channeling Elon Musk, except I think much more Hampson. I don't know, more charismatic. But yes, this does feel like we are living in a succession universe. What what else did you see on your end? Like you said, the, the I think the, in hindsight, it's not that surprising, but it still is, I think, a little shocking when you see it. But that just in the, the first hours after he took over, you immediately saw like this big spike in um, racial slurs and, and hate speech, you know, all these sort of... Um, 
right-wing trolls and other people were like all of a sudden were like oh elon's in charge now we can say whatever we want and like some people were doing it in like a little trolley way and saying like ivermectin and you know stuff that wasn't ever really banned but um they think is sort of get some shadow banned or whatever conspiracies they have. Um, but then you saw this really disturbing thing of, you know, um, use of the, the, the N-word went up like 500% or something. A lot of researchers were People saying, hey. People felt really emboldened, yeah. Yeah, and Twitter's actually addressed this um, to their their credit. Their head of uh, safety is still around. Um, he seems to be getting along with Musk. And uh, what he said, and the researchers back this up, is that it was uh, a pretty small group of people who were on these sort of other platforms who kind of organized this effort to to say this. So they said a lot of this is driven by a small number of people. Um, but, you know, it still immediately had the impact of, like, making people feel uncomfortable, making people yeah. feel unsafe. Yeah. It's uh, not not a great welcome party, I guess. Like, it's it's just like who who comes to your welcome party says a lot about who you are as a leader. Uh, Sherlyn, I know you're addicted to Twitter. Like, how what, what are your feelings about this? I'm not addicted to Twitter. I have spent like the last week kind of out of everything just because being sick and just comatose on my bed for a whole week uh, kept me away from all of this news. I, I see a lot of like sentiment, um, vocal sentiment about like, you know, people who are happy that this is happening and, and um, they're basically like Musk stands and Musk fans. I don't there's so many of them. And the one thought that I've had over the last week, and it's really, it's not related to what's going on at Twitter, but only tangentially, right? It's it's the, the idea of like idol worship and celebrity like love. It's like people who think the people you like can do no wrong. And therefore like any move they make is something you have to back for some reason. Whereas like, actually these people, these are human beings. They can be flawed. They can make mistakes. And so like, we don't know yet what Musk is going to do, whether it's going to be better or worse for Twitter. We do know, like we said, the, the number of the amount of hate speech has gone up. That's a bad thing. That's something you can objectively say it's a bad thing, right? There like, are a few things I think you can point to also that, that I think are could be seen as objectively bad for Twitter. I mean, his whole, his pitch for uh, kind of out of nowhere is like, hey, hey, blue checks. Everybody pays $20 for blue checks, you know, because... He doesn't understand what they're for. Like, this is a guy who bought a thing for $44 billion and doesn't, he sees it as a status symbol. And I think a lot of right-wing people and people who just feel maybe disenfranchised on Twitter also feel like blue checks are a pure status thing. They're they're a verification symbol. You know, I have a blue check. Uh, Sherlyn has a blue check. We we have it because we work for a place. And that this is a not great part of blue checks. But we work for, you know, a media site. And typically they have ad deals with Twitter. So at some point, our names go in a spreadsheet and Twitter's like, okay, okay, people working here, journalists working here can have this because you're distributing information and we should verify who you are in case of misinformation. Um, the idea that anybody can just go out and buy a blue check is, is going to lead to a mess. We're already seeing people like people are already impersonating other folks online. I'm already seeing people, you know, doing that with Elon Musk's Twitter to kind of make a point too. But I can imagine people buying blue checks and just changing your profile name and, just truly impersonating people and it's going to be impossible to tell what's real anymore, which is a bad problem to have now. I think, Carissa, you might have written an article or tweeted something where, where Twitter themselves came out and said that there were steps in place to maybe hopefully prevent that from happening. Is that true, Carissa? No, I mean, actually, it's, <laughs> kind, of, it's kind of the opposite is that oh boy, um, somebody, I mean, a bunch of people have been replying to, to Musk because, you know, he could only talk to him on Twitter, I guess, um, with what 
what happens if somebody uh, buys verification and then they change their name to Elon Musk and pretend to be you? And he's like, well, that already happens a lot. And I'm like, that's true. Doesn't solve people, the problem. That is the thing. People people hack verified accounts and change it to Elon Musk to try and scam people. But, you know, his the whole thing that he said he wants to buy Twitter for is to, like, get rid of those people. So I do wonder if, like, he might actually change this plan. Because right now he's just sort of, like, tweeted out a list of things. And he said, like, he'll write about it, you know, at greater length or something there, there at is some no point plan. when they're going to roll it out. Yeah. And I do. he does seem like he is responding to feedback. So I do wonder if there might be some kind of compromise. Like, he already said that... Um, like politicians will be or like public officials will keep sort of that label under their name that says, you know, like government official or elected official or whatever it is. So I I do think that we could see some change, but you're right. Like the way that he's presented it now, like it's pretty problematic for the reasons you said, you know, there's a difference between a real person and, you know, a verified person. It's a, I mean, he, he's bringing up a lot of things, um, a lot of like, hey, he brought a kitchen sink into the into the thing as like a stunt because what was his tweet? Like, let that sink in. This yeah. is the level of humor we're dealing with from the richest man in the world who's now in charge of Twitter. Um, but it's, he eventually like, I think it was Stephen King who, uh, who tweeted at him was like, no way in hell am I paying $20 for a blue check. And Musk responded like, okay, okay. How about $8, Stephen King? Um, which made, also made me think that pitch was sort of like a used car salesman de- thing. He was like, <laughs> I will, okay, how about this much for the car? And you have to finagle them. You have to like basically deal them down to a lower price. And it feels like he just wanted to get to $8 all along maybe and just wanted to like, hey, at least it's not $20. At least it doesn't seem as bad. Um, we should talk a bit about like basically what this means overall for Twitter too. Um, I... I, I use Twitter a lot. I love Twitter, honestly, despite all of its flaws. Like, it's been my favorite social network because for me, it's felt like the way of, like, directly communicating with everybody online. You know, my podcasts wouldn't have happened um, without, like, being able to reach out to people and just ping them on Twitter. Um, I feel like it's, among all the social networks, it's been the one that's actually most public, most, like, connecting people around the world, more so than Facebook, which is still very much focused on your friends and your family and everything. How do you guys feel about Twitter overall? Do you think it's a bad thing, you know, that Musk could be taking it down? Or are you just sitting there laughing as it burns? I think Elon Musk has definitely tapped into that that sentiment that you're describing right now. Like a lot of, you know, it's um, something like 90% of uh, tweets are sent by like, I don't know, like 10% or less of uh, actual Twitter users. And a lot of them are, you know, uh, people like us who who are verified and, you know, are in the media or, um, you know, some of these other people. And I think that he's ta- what he's tapped into is the fact that, yeah, a lot of us really do, le- like, really love Twitter as a platform. You know, we use it constantly. It's really important for our jobs. But we've also, you know, a lot of us have, like, over the years have made friends on Twitter or found jobs via Twitter or, you know, it's become this kind of really central part of uh, what we do. And, you know, I think him kind of just going in there and essentially just, like, messing with everyone and saying well now anyone can can be verified and unless you pay i'm going to take away sort of the um you know the sort of algorithmic reach that you get from from verification and stuff like that like i think he's 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 definitely tapping into you know a lot of his sort of stan army who they sort of resent this kind of idea of um the blue checks and and the verified people and you know he's i think he's kind of almost having this sort of like robin hood like um 
thing about it. Yeah, I, I, I do love seeing him worry about the peasants and the elites. And he, he brought that up as like, oh, anybody could get a blue check. You're unifying it from the richest man in the world. What do you stands? You think he's on your side? Um, I will say this, like Twitter is not the biggest social network in the world, but I do think it is one that is like very uniquely influential, right? Like it is something politicians view, it's something news sites view. It can kind of affect like the shape of the world in a way. It can affect the shape of elections, as we saw in 2016. Um, it can help like power revolutions across the world, as we saw early on um, back in the early 2010. So it is like a really unique communication platform. My big worry, aside from just like loving it, um, because I, I like being on the Internet. I like the Internet, guys. Um for, for all of its faults, like, it does seem like it's a pretty bad national security risk to have a guy who's this volatile uh, in charge of this platform and kind of uh, trying to change things in ways where he doesn't know how they'll work, right? He doesn't seem to understand security. He brought up the idea of doing a council for big idea things, uh, which Facebook is doing, and who knows how well that is actually working for Facebook. It seems like he's running through the playbook we all have of social media without actually bringing in anything new or doing anything that could actually help Twitter, right? Yeah, there's this guy, uh, Yashan, who used to be the CEO of Reddit. And he's been, he's shared some really interesting like Twitter threads about this, about how, how like you can't win with content moderation and kind of like laying out why, you know, you can come in and like get a platform like Twitter or, or Reddit for that matter and think like you're gonna like fix these problems, but why it's actually impossible. Um, and I think Elon Musk is gonna learn that, but. You know, the other thing I'll say is that, like, Elon Musk is, has been, we know this from his text messages, he's been consulting with Jack Dorsey. Um, you know, Jack Dorsey has said he very much believes in, in Elon Musk and, like, his vision for Twitter as well. And, like, you can take that with whatever grain of salt you want. But, like, I think Musk is aware of these things. So I think there's a big difference between, like, the stuff that he tweets and, like, what he actually does. And I think we should all, like, pay attention to, like, the distinction there because he... His tweets are always trying to like make people like maximum exactly. upset, right? He's, exactly. It's all for shock value. It's shock and, value, and yeah. The likes, the number of likes, the number of eyeballs you get only go up. That's why clickbait exists, right? But I want to also remind us that before this happened, before the Elon Musk bid to take over Twitter, it's not like we were extremely happy with Twitter to begin with. Let's not forget, right? Like that Twitter has always had its flaws. Twitter has always had its problems. Uh, the moderation stuff was always problematic until only very recently did they really like sort of step it up. So I, I mean, I think what Carissa said is like something we should pay attention to. We don't know. Again, he's only been what head for a few days it's it still remains to be seen and i i don't know how heartened i would be or should be by the whole like stephen king exchange that it sounds like he's listening to feedback it sounds like he when it comes down to it actually might be if, if know, it's stephen king listening not like so i don't know if you followed the way it's being run now Sherlin, but they he is basically the ceo but this, the company is essentially being run by him and a like a group of his friends you know, a group of, you know, current investors and people he knows, uh, people like Jason Calacanis, people who have been in the web world for a while. And I'm not seeing any good ideas, right? Everybody's like, okay, we just got to monetize the hell out of this, right? You're going to pay for your blue checks, um, potentially raising the price of Twitter blue as well. Uh, they say maybe by Monday, maybe by next Monday, they may start charging for blue checks because there was a report that he was basically making people crunch like hell to get that feature out. Who knows if that's going to happen? Um, I think the thing that really worried me was uh, uh, over the weekend, there was an attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband. And... 
horrible event. Like, who knows what would have happened if, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi was actually at home in San Francisco. And Elon Musk's response to Hillary Clinton was a link to a conspiracy theory about what happened and not, like, anything truthful. And we are living in an age of, like, disinformation and misinformation, and it is dangerous now. Like, it's going to affect elections. It's going to affect the shape of the world. And... um yeah, it is terribly dangerous to have a guy like this, like in charge, who would rather share meme links and, um, you know, not actually know what's happening. Like, to me, that's the real danger um, because it just seems bad. It just seems like, oh, this is going to go down in flames. And I would say to a certain degree, I think some people just want to sit back and enjoy it. I feel bad because I like Twitter, you know, to all the people responding to us in the chat room saying, oh, my feelings are hurt. Um I like Twitter. I think it's a genuinely useful tool for humanity. Um, it is a shame that it's going to end like this. It feels like the end of Dig. It feels like the end of Tumblr in a way, which was kind of was like was more of a slow motion disaster. This seems very accelerated, and partially this also seems like he made a forty four billion dollar bet as a joke, and he was forced to buy it because he tried so hard to get out of it after the economy tanked. How much of this do you think is going to keep going, Carissa? Like, do you think he regrets this deal? Does it seem like he's just trying to, like, you know, uh, get the water out of the sinking ship as fast as he can? I mean, it's hard to say. I think a lot of what we're seeing now, I mean, he is now in this position where, yes, he he owns Twitter, but Twitter's got to pay like a billion dollars a year in interest now on all this debt they use to buy the company, which, yeah. you know, they're going to Which he, he owns now. Yeah, that's, that's all yeah. his. Yeah. They're going to have to start making a lot more money. You know, that's why he's... Uh, you know, he's supposedly laying off 50% of staff, um, why he wants to raise the price of Twitter Blue and sort of make it more, if not actually mandatory, you know, make it so that like your experience is going to be a lot worse if you don't use it, you know, because they're trying to figure out how do we how do we make up that amount of money? So like, I think he is. I don't think he's necessarily. I mean, I hate trying to like predict what Elon yeah. Musk is doing. Never, never try um, to predict. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think. I do think that in his mind, he probably thinks that, like, this is the way to, like, fix Twitter. Um, you know, we'll see. Like, I was just going to say, like, there's so much. There's We kind of forget, like, Twitter's history, but, like, it's kind of always been, like, a chaotic place that, like, never makes money. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if you remember, like, all the, um, you know, when, like, Dick Costello was in and then Jack Dorsey and then, like, maybe Twitter was going to, like, sell to Disney or somebody else, like you know, not that long ago. Like, so this, in some ways, it's kind of normal for Twitter. But of course, because it's Elon Musk, it's like so much more It's, it's so much worse. I mean, this is basically the state of the world we're in now where a troll can rise to power, basically, because of his online fandom. Uh, that may or may not have anything to do with what happened in America and other countries recently. So I will let you all do the math on that. Uh, this is where we are as a society. Yeah, dude, yeah. dude named Charlie in the chat has a very actually a, a funny and insightful not insightful well, a good comment right like a dude named charlie says if they offer a payment plan that removes all ads i'm 100 percent in in fact let me go tweet that right now um yeah i mean instead of making it's like i get it you have to make money off of this product otherwise it's not gonna last you and you don't want ads to be like all over the place that's what elon musk himself tweeted uh yeah a, a I guess I don't know if Twitter Blue because I don't pay like I don't pay for Twitter Blue. I don't know if Twitter Blue removes ads. ads. No. Okay, so get rid of ads. Get rid of suggestive tweets. Get rid of like he's not going to do that though. Like, he, he's follow. already well, he has already said that it would be less ads, but they they live and die by advertisers. Which also, by the way, they're losing, right, Carissa? Like Carissa, you were saying, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I think that's the thing is that I mean, I used to there, 
Twitter, um, until a few years ago, they used to show some like verified accounts, um, no ads. I had that Twitter. It was great. I've said that. <laughs> I pay for Twitter Blue now. I've said before, like I would happily pay for yep. for no ads as well. Yep. And some of the stuff he's proposed though with Twitter Blue, like even seeing fewer ads, um, you know, having more visibility and like search and reply, stuff like that. Like I think getting around paywalls of publishers will work with that. I think there are a lot of, there is value in that. Like I think there are people who would pay to have, you know, better features on Twitter. Um, I think the whole narrative of like it being only about verification like might hurt him because people are so it's not just, just like have that. such a reaction to that, you know, like, exactly. people are, like it's going to be uncool. Like why would I pay for this? It's so dumb. Um, and uh, besides all the other, you know, actual problems like authenticity and, and scammers and like all these things, but like there is like a reason to pay for better features and, you know, a Absolutely. lot of people are already doing it. Um, I was paying for Twitter blue because there were some of those things like the ability to undo a tweet send, not, not a tweet delete button, not an edit button, uh, but undo the send. Uh, that was, that was useful. There were some things they had. I believe they actually killed the, the deal where they were doing ad free articles with some companies. That whole thing is done. I don't know if they're going to renegotiate that, but the most recent news we saw is that um, from Bloomberg, they reported that he's planning to eliminate half of Twitter jobs to cut costs. That's 3,700 jobs. So I don't know how you're going to deliver more features while cutting jobs. Like it does thing, it's it's all about he's looking at the spreadsheets or people are looking at like the money, right? Like the debt he owes, the money Twitter is making, which is not much compared to a lot of social networks. And sort of like I this feels like full on panic. So I don't know what's going to happen. We could sort of make a bet even. Like, do you think Elon Musk will still own Twitter in a year? Because it feels like he is just he's just straight up like doing whatever he can to like get out of this as quickly as he can without without hurting himself too much because this is one toilet tweet joke that went too far. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like to me that Elon Musk, more than most CEOs, loves Twitter in a way, right? Like that's where they get the most, he gets the most engagement he gets the most from attention. his fans. Yeah. He gets the most attention. He, like Donald Trump, really enjoyed that back and forth that he was having on the social network. And nowhere else. I don't think that like you would see, you know, Zuck care as much about Twitter. You wouldn't see like... I uh, Tim Cook cared this much about Twitter. Nobody. So that's like, he really made this out of like, I think a personal desire to still keep this platform going. And it's now kind of stuck with the actual the consequences. nuts and bolts yeah, of it. The consequences yeah, they're like, having action. to do it. Uh, we should talk about uh, just quickly, like what are, what are the alternatives? Cause people are saying like, okay, maybe I'm going to leave this platform because I don't want to, I don't want to be in a place where they're getting even worse when it comes to dealing with uh, racism and, you know, basically abuse that you're facing on the platform. Um, some notable people who are banned or, or have recently been let back on. And that is just disturbing to me. Uh, for me, it was that tweet where he was just like, hey, hey, here's the conspiracy theory to a troubling political event and making me think like, oh, man, we can't we can't trust this guy with anything. So what what do we have out there? There's Mastodon, which I don't have you guys played with Mastodon. Yeah, it's I, sort of mm-hmm. it's confusing. It's confusing. <laughs> it's a it, it is a mess. It, it is a decentralized version of a social network that's similar to Twitter, except you have to join a specific server. It's very like hard to use. It's very confusing. And it's very like disconnected in a way, uh, which I think the joy of Twitter is like, hey, you could at least in the early days, you could sign on and be like, whoever else is there doesn't matter their level. You could just ping them and try to start a conversation. And that was always super fascinating and helpful to me. Um Mastodon is just kind of a mess. It feels like the difference between using uh, Linux and Windows, right? Where 
They both essentially do the same thing, but one thing is like a hundred times harder to do the things you're used to. I do hear some people want to go back to Tumblr. They're reactivating their Tumblrs. Pre-Twitter Tumblr was a pretty powerful, you know, platform among especially like fandom communities and niche communities. There's also news about Tumblr allowing nudes again, which is one reason why a big portion of that community just left. Uh, there's not going to be any explicit sex, but nudity is going to be back. Um, did you Were you Tumblr kids, either of you? Yes, big time. <laughs> Do you big want time. to dust off I your Tumblr at tumblers. this point? No, it's embarrassing. My Tumblr is... <laughs> Did you get listed or is it still live? Should I go look for it? I can't. I, I'm not saying. It's okay. somewhere. It's somewhere. Um, no, it was. it's like my most emo, teenage, yeah, angsty yeah, thoughts yeah. in there. And what? that's not my Twitter. My Twitter is like a different sort of... Look, here's what I think. I think that in the grand scheme of things, Twitter is a very loud echo chamber. It's a very loud silo. But it really is a self-contained... All, I mean, not really a self-contained. It does have. We have talked yeah. at length about the influence that Twitter has. It on the leaks world, into but like, the real world for sure. Yeah, it does leak. But in the in the the people who really are pissed about this are small a small group of people yelling at each other in the same room, and then the rest of the world is like going around them, going like, "Ha ha! Instagram is much more fun." You know what I mean? Like I, why, my alternative is not Tumblr because I'm sorry, but no. We are going to find your Tumblr on the internet archives. Yeah. Oh, I have so many. Yeah. I can send you a link later on. But it's more, I think I'm just going to take it to Instagram because for me, it's, it's about where my audience is and it's about like the stuff I've built up in my last few years that I'm proud of. Um, I don't know. Carissa probably knows a lot more about what what else is out there. I mean, I think that there really is no alternative. Like, agreed. You you said you can agreed. if you already are, if you're part of like a specific like community like, like you, you mentioned like a fandom with Tumblr or, or something else. Like, yeah, you can move somewhere else. Like, people are talking about Discord as well. Um, you know, maybe it's Instagram. Like, if you're uh, a creator, like you can find little like pockets of your people and like have you know, sort of rebuild that community. But if you're like looking for that big megaphone of Twitter and like this kind of, I hate to say like the public square aspect of like that they always talk about um, Twitter, like there is no other alternative, like nothing even really comes close. It's not Mastodon is trying to do it. I don't, that's never going to happen. It can't, the way that people like the service can't keep up with registrations right now. So it's not Mastodon? big oh. enough to scale. Um, one thing I will say, I think the smartest thing Jack Dorsey ever said, I think it was in a in a message to Elon at some point, but what should Twitter be? It should be more of like a protocol, right? It should be kind of an open source thing that lets everybody communicate on the internet, sort of like the way email works or sort of the way the early internet, like the, the things that connected people uh, on the internet, like I, I feel like it should be that. It can never be that because, unfortunately, Twitter is a company and people will buy well, it. Jack is trying to build that with Blue Sky. He is. But but I don't trust him again. anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Blue Sky. Blue Sky is a thing that's happening. They're signing up uh, beta invites right now. Can you? What do we know about Blue Sky at this point, Carissa? Yeah, we know that um, Jack Dorsey started talking about this while he was you know, still at Twitter. But it's it's independent of Twitter. It's not like a company, but they have you know, their own engineers and stuff like that, obviously. And they're working on this this kind of thing. It's like this protocol where it will be, you know, sort of a decentralized version of Twitter. Um, you know, I haven't used it or anything. And, um, you know, I think the point is like, it's going to be, it's, tr- it's like Jack Dorsey trying to like, sort of like fix that sort of original sin of like making Twitter like this kind of like public company and saying like, okay, like let's try and make this version of it so that you can have different, um, you know, like sort of a more modular experience. Like he's talked about, like maybe you can choose your own algorithm. You can choose, 
Um, you know, it's just like a lot more like flexible. So there's like a lot of interesting ideas. Like it's kind of hard to see at this stage, like how that actually becomes, um, you know, something that like matters as much as, as Twitter does. But, you know, it does kind of like get at this thing where he's like saying like, you know, the biggest mistake we made was making Twitter a company, like getting advertisers, you know, trying to make money off of this when like that was, you know, completely mess things up in a lot of ways. <laughs> and that, that's the way early, I mean, that's the way Web 2.0 companies basically started working. Like you, you found an idea, you got a bunch of users, you tried to get as much funding as possible. And like, and that was the race in the late 2000s and early 2010s. And yeah, Twitter has always been kind of a mess about that. Uh, other alternatives I just want to throw out there. Hey, personal websites. You can make a personal website. You can make a blog. You will not have that instant communication you will at Twitter, but at least you'll own it. At least you won't have to worry about this. So maybe this is a rise to to restart those things. Also newsletters, but I'm also, I'm not a fan of like the one-way communication of newsletters. So another option out there. But I think overall, it is a reminder that, man, maybe we should just try to find corners of the internet that we can own. Um, because these companies, we can't trust them. Things are going to be changing and who knows who's going to be in charge and how things are going to change over time. Carissa, anything else you want to add about this or what you're keeping an eye on, you know, with this story? Because this is going to be ongoing for a while. Yeah, I mean, just that, you know, there's this argument to be made that as like if people kind of start defecting from from Twitter, creating their own place somewhere else, it's just like kind of like a further like splintering of, you know, people all kind of going off into their own like, echo chambers like we saw this is kind of how a lot of these like far right communities started was they got uh you know kicked off the big platforms and they kind of went to these other little like dark corners of the internet where they could basically say and do whatever they want and i'm not saying that they shouldn't have been kicked off um but there are consequences when if like everybody goes from one big platform to a bunch of smaller places um and, and musk is, is aware of this too like he's he's mentioned this as like a as a problem so you know i think it's gonna be interesting to see what musk actually does and how if people leave Twitter, because, you know, again, people saying Twitter is about to die, people threatening to leave, quit Twitter, you know, this is kind of the norm yeah, <laughs> for the platform, yeah, that's normal, seeing yeah. if they actually lose a meaningful amount of people and sort of what policy changes he actually makes and how that affects it, I think is going to be the mm -hmm. key. We will definitely talk more about the splintering of the internet, because that's actually a thing that is happening. Like, I, people are less focused on one platform. Um, you've got your private group chats. Uh, you've got Discord chats. Uh, we're all chatting everywhere. Maybe we have too many places. But that's a topic. We'll be diving into down the line. Krista, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you on the internet? Well, on Twitter until it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> At uh, Carissa B on, on Twitter. Carissa B-E, right? B-E, yeah. All right. Thank you so much. So I, it's been a slew of like event after event after event. We finally sort of feel like we're nearing a, a, a pause, right? But Google is like, nah, nah, we got too <laughs> never, much news. We, we have too much stuff. So this week, Google actually had an AI event yesterday, uh, Wednesday. Um, it didn't really announce a lot of stuff that uh, will have an immediate effect on the public. It's really, you know, some of the stuff that is teaching its AI to do and some of the stuff it's able to achieve through its AI. Um, but something the company did announce this week that I found interesting and that would be impactful, I think, for us in the coming weeks is that you'll be able to track your packages with new Gmail features. Mm. Um, yeah, it's super cool. I mean, like, you know, I think Google has done a good job of like making a lot of things easier to do. For example, you can throw in a UPS like shipping number or FedEx number into Google search and it'll just pop up. Yeah, it pops up. 
Like as opposed to like, oh, what is the FedEx website again? Whatever. So now your inbox, I think uh, Gmail will be able to view, will offer a view uh, of your package tracking and delivery information within your inbox itself. If your order has a delivery number or, or a tracking number in it, it actually would just show your current delivery status in your inbox list view, which is actually pretty cool. Um, it will also have a summary card at the top of individual emails, similar to how we get like, you know how you, if you forward your tr like a flight itinerary to your Gmail, it will show you the like the thing, date yeah. and time of takeoff, mm -hmm. your terminal number, that sort of stuff at the top of your email. Now package tracking or update emails will have that sort of view at the top too. Uh, and then it'll also have like estimated arrival date and status, like arriving tomorrow or delivered today. I think this is cool. I think that Gmail is getting more useful and this is, you know, going to be super helpful. Um, CF542 in the chat says, I thought Gmail already did this. Ah, uh, did you have a special preview <laughs> that some of us don't? Because that yeah, is, it, it I, I have not yet seen tracking. This. Maybe there was like lesser information, but this information has all has always been in Gmail, right? You get those tracking numbers. You get like the info from the companies. I use an app called Shop which um, which does a good job of like tracking all that to you. And if you buy from smaller retailers, it, they usually go through shop, I believe. Um, so yeah, this is cool. It's cool to have it all within Gmail because sometimes I, I don't know about you, Sherlyn, but I often have a lot of packages like flying around, like between stuff I need for the kids and for me and for work. And oh my God. So it's good to keep track of them all in some place. So that's cool. Um, Buddy305Love also asks, will shipping companies play ball? They have their own apps with those features. Well, so uh, in Google's press release, it did say that like it will work with most major shipping companies, the, the national uh, ones. So I'm not sure it'll work with every single uh, shipping carrier provider, but but this will you know work with most of them. Um, it's just a slew of Google news that I'm going to run through. For example, uh, Google is updating the Messages app. Uh, I mean, we, we, we know Android messages kind of sucks, especially when we're looking yeah, over which, at iMessage Which over messages there. app is this? Because I've lost track from Google. I know this. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not chat. It's not <laughs> Android messages. It's Google messages. I mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. it's kind of whatever. Anyway, uh, it's, it now gets iOS reactions. Okay. So it's going to be like. Finally. It's going to be like. Mm -hmm. Kind of RCS, but kind of iMessage. How are, wait, how are they doing this? Are they are they just taking in the stuff coming from iOS and just kind of like making... When it RCS mm -hmm. is enabled, uh -huh. uh, the Messages app will soon let users respond to individual messages. You have to swipe on a message to reply. This is like a reply to message feature that iMessage already has. Um, and similarly for like adding your like emoji reaction. Um, you also can embed YouTube videos within google messages and they'll show the little preview thing you can play them from right there <laughs> yeah, you know that's cool. um, will ios add reminders. get any like anything backwards is all just ios stuff coming towards android it's not going backwards right because there's no true the rcs users? support yeah ah uh, you mean the okay so like people on iMessage in their blue yeah, bubbles okay because yeah. i was like nobody on ios is using messages yeah. okay gotcha gotcha yeah. um n well i i mean they don't support rcs so right they would yeah, but Google, rec I think recently Apple updated, right, that you won't have to see individual replies from Android green bubbles anymore when they react to your thing. So it's a... Uh it's starting to feel a little less painful, but uh, I haven't seen it in practice yet, so I can't tell you like how much it would like improved, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I mean, that was like another piece of more functional news, but there are other things um, 
for parents, assistant is getting some updated parental controls. Um, it'll have some kids' voices, uh, kid-friendly voices. That's fun. Okay. Um, yeah, you and your kids can maybe check it out, Devendra. I don't care. You don't care uh, there's yet some... until you have to, you're forced to deal with younger people in general. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had to, but they're little snot bubbles and like they're just like big-ass germ machines. We need the AI yeah. for that. Uh, Google, what, what, the, what is wrong with my child? What are they sick with? Right? Yeah. Skin, Scan. fever, RSV. Basically, like robot doctors. I don't know. I don't think we can ever replace human doctors. But anyway, um, one piece of somewhat troubling news is the Texas Attorney General ha- is suing Google over its facial recognition or facial data collection practices. Apparently, Google is operating in violation of Texas's Capture or Use of Biometric Identifier Act. Um, and so it's kind of investigating. Uh, Google has issued a statement uh, in response to the lawsuit saying that uh, the Attorney General Paxton is once again mischaracterizing our products in another breathless lawsuit. For example, Google Photos helps you organize pictures of people so you can easily find old photos. This is only visible to you and you can turn this feature off. We do not use photos or videos in Google Photos for advertising purposes. The same is true for voice match and face match. So by troubling, I just mean that like, you know, Google is under public investigation again. Um, in this case, I actually don't think that, I really don't think that there's a lot of legs for the, <laughs> or the for it here, but maybe it will mean that Google has to be more transparent about where its data is being stored, what its data is being used for. Um, with more pressure, we can for get sure. more transparency. I'm all for this. I'm also, wor- I, I can never tell what the state of Texas is actually getting at. Like, are they trying to get at Google for for anything real here, um, we'll see. I haven't I haven't fully looked at this case, but also Facebook and other companies have been dealing with you know lawsuits from states because of data collection. So I am all for more of that because these companies do have to like freaking be more clear about everything. Anything else you want to mention from Google stuff, Sherlyn? I do. Uh, uh, an update to the Google graveyard. Two things are well and truly dead. One, Google Hangouts. Hey, remember Hangouts? I do. I remember? used Hangouts a lot. So I used to use if, Hangouts a lot until it got What do I use now times. instead of Hangouts? Chat. Google Chat or Meet. No, I don't even. And that's different from Google <sighs> Messages. Yeah, bless your heart, I Google. I hate Bless your heart, but this graveyard just got another body dumped in it. And finally, uh, there was, did you know that Google had a dedicated Street View app? No. What? I didn't know either, but it's dead. Okay. Now, every normal go. human being just goes to Google Maps and is like, hit, sh- show exactly. me the street view. That's very yeah. dumb. So, okay, sure. no Bye. more resources devoted to this very, very unknown app. Uh, goodbye to Google's dedicated Street View app. Okay. And that was it, it. for That's the, it. like, and there's other stuff, but, like, I really don't, whatever. Google, can you chill now? No. Can you, like, let me no take chill. a break now? No chill. That's that's Google, no chill. Uh, that's that's a lot of stuff and maybe some things that I keep complaining about with Google and consumer products. Uh, some other news. Let's move on to some other news. The PSVR yes. 2, finally, we have pricing. It's going to cost $550, and it's going to launch on February 10, 22nd. Um, I don't know what you're feeling about two, this. Two. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, I was not too surprised by this pricing, given everything we've heard about this headset with like eye tracking and better controllers and stuff, like and just like how much better the screens are and everything. Um, headsets cost a lot of money, unfortunately. Um, I do think it may be a bad idea to launch such an expensive headset for a console that still costs... Um, 
you know, close to the same price. So like close to 500 yeah. bucks and a console, not everybody can still get. Um, I know it's gotten better production wise, but people are still having issues with all that stuff. Uh, are you into this pricing? Like, would you, if you had a PlayStation five, would you spend $550 on this trillion or would you no. just get the next quest thing? I, I, I mean, okay. Overall, it's still cheaper than the quest pro, right? If you include the price I mean, of the it's cheaper console than the quest pro, the but the quest pro is not, it's not meant for, it's not everybody. the same thing. Like that's the thing. Right. Like you can complain about the pricing of the quest pro, but it is like the MacBook Pro, right? It is for the super hardcore VR nerds. And the Quest 2 is still out there, you know, for everybody else. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Quest 2 is a more reasonable price. But I, I mean, I don't have a PS5 yet, so I couldn't tell you. But yeah, after spending already 500 on a PS5 to drop another 550, I'd be like, dude, no, I... I got stuff to I got stuff to pay for, so I, it might cost people to wait a lot longer to buy it. Maybe maybe that's a way to hedge for the you know supply chain thing. I don't know, it, it but uh, yeah, it, no, it, it it's could a lot. be. I mean, and also PSVR, the original one, got much cheaper down the line. Um, so there's that. They did announce some new games, including Switchback VR, the next one from the Dark Pictures uh, franchise. Uh, I believe the last one was really cool. Uh, there's gonna be Pistol Whip VR, Jurassic World Aftermath Collection. Um, none of the old PSVR games are going to be compatible with this, which is a shame and another dumb thing. I think Sony needs to do something about like either encourage direct, uh, encourage programmers to like, um, companies to fix those things or offer some sort of fix for that. Because I know people did buy a bunch of PSVR games, um, years ago. And even connecting the old PSVR is really hard on the PlayStation 5. It needs like a dongle. It needs the old camera and a lot of cables. Um, it's kind of a mess. I would love to see more continuity there. But you know what, folks? Let us know what you think. Is this too expensive? Podcast at Engadget.com. We've also got some news around Xiaomi's latest concept phone. <laughs> What's up with this, Charlotte? So Xiaomi um, every now and then does like very interesting concept phones, uh, one of which was like a, a one with a proper like zooming in and out lens um, way back. Gosh, I think during the pandemic at some point, I don't know, time is a blur. Um, but this now, uh, this week, the company unveiled its latest concept phone, which has an interchangeable Leica M lens. This looks really stupid. Uh, oh my God. Wow. Like, I mean, look, I, I think that the picture <laughs> of the phone with the lens attached to it looks kind of wild. Um, but Sony, this, Sony this, tried this. Sony tried to give, you know, um, ILC really? Stuff. Um, not not like fully interchangeable, but they they had like their whole like, hey, these are you know accessory lenses that you could put onto your phone uh, using great Sony quality lenses and stuff. Um, I would yeah, encourage people to go look at this thing because it's ridiculous. What do you think, Sherlyn? I I I uh, Mike Jones Jr. in our chat goes, if you need a camera to be that good, why does a phone need to be connected to it? I think that's a very valid point, right? Like if you are at the point where you're buying lenses for your phone. What like the two lenses on your phone are not enough. Like to be clear, this this interchangeable lens system works on the secondary sensor on the Xiaomi 12s concept, the Ultra concept phone. Um, it looks very similar to the standard like 12s Ultra. It's got a second one inch 50.3 megapixel sensor in the middle of the of the camera island, and that's what you can you know attach these interchangeable lenses to. And it's like, wow, okay. A one-inch sensor on a phone sure. is not enough yeah. for you. Yeah. You really need to be buying something else. And I bet this will cost you money that's about the same as a mirrorless. Uh, yeah. I do like seeing uh, gadget ideas and gadget concepts, but I'm definitely at this point saying, who the hell is this for? What are you helping? Nobody's going to use uh, a phone like this. And also, 
I think we're used to our, our phones being the, the easy cameras, right? The cameras where it's like, okay, it's, it fits in my pocket. I could pop it out real easily, take a quick photo. I don't want to have to deal with lenses. Where do I where do I hold this thing when I have the lens yeah, attached? Right. Like you still to carry stuff you with you. You got to carry yeah. stuff with you. You got to cover whenever. So the thing about interchangeable lenses, uh, I've got a whole bunch of Sony mirrorlesses. Uh, once you take off that lens, you've got danger, danger, because you've got a full hmm. sensor that's fully open to the element, exposed and fully right. exposed. Like anything happens to that sensor, you're screwed. And yeah doing that on a phone type thing where you're also always like, you know, putting your phone in and out of your pocket, dealing with pocket lint and who knows what your phone goes flying. Um, okay. Xiaomi. Okay. Yeah. This is a cool I, idea. I just think, yeah, this is a, to be clear, a concept phone that they're not going to sell. So, you know, I, whatever it was wacky as hell. All I want to say is Xiaomi, you cute, you cute, you cute, but also why, but why give me, give me concept for things that maybe could be more useful. Rather than the old idea, like, oh, what what if interchangeable lenses on phones? I don't know, Xiaomi. I don't know. Let's move on to what we've been working on. Uh, I have been uh, busily reviewing the Apple TV 4K, the 2022 edition that just came out. Um, you could go check out my review on Engadget right now. Uh, I gave it a very high score because it is very good. It is very, very good. It is super fast. It's the fastest Apple TV I've ever seen, uh, thanks to the A15 Bionic. Um, it also has some other features like HDR10+, but that's not... I feel like for a lot of people, that's not going to be a super big draw unless you have a new TV that supports HDR10+. Plus. But it's nice to have that format. Mostly, this thing is hella fast and it's hella cheap. It's $129 to start with 64 gigabytes of storage. If you need 128 gigabytes, it's 149 Those are good prices because the Apple TV used to start at 179 with 32 gigabytes of storage. So big upgrade there. Uh, it has the same Siri remote as last year too, which I really like. So, hey. This is this is a great streaming box. I no longer have to be like, you don't have to. I don't have to justify to people why they should spend close to two hundred dollars on an Apple TV box when a Roku is like a hundred dollars or less. Um, this is still a little more expensive, but not as much. And I think it's the best streaming box out there. So I'm really digging the Apple TV 4K. Let me know what you all think about this. Probably not worth an upgrade if you have last year's model. But if you have the original 4K or if you have the HD still, oh, my God. Um, yeah, this is totally worth it. What are you working on, Trillin? Um, So while I was out sick, uh, Sam Rutherford was reviewing the Quest Pro and was asked and, and he asked for my help. And I think it was an apt situation for us to test it because I was quarantining. I was isolating myself. And, you know, if, 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 that's what VR is like uh, pitching itself as like you can still from your own home while you maybe need to stay away from people for any reason, you can still get that like social, semi-social sort of interaction and feeling. So I did the Horizons workspace demo or test with uh, Sam. It was, first of all, I was so angry. I think I tweeted this out, haha, <laughs> Twitter. But I was so angry. It took me like an hour to be able to join Sam in the room because between charging, I mean, char I'm not even including time to charge the headset or to update, to run some of the updates. It took me an hour to, first of all, sign into my Facebook account, convert it into a meta account, <laughs> convert it three times. And the whole process requires you not to, yeah, like you, you, take you your have to go into your headset really on and off, really go to your phone, yeah. go to, because, yeah. and I have two FA set up on a phone that it's like, you know, the yep. uh, authenticator yep. you app. Gotta that I your phone. <laughs> you got to peek out, you got to find that. You can't use pass through to do it. And then the phone that I had authenticator on was like dead. So I had to charge that one up. It was bullshit. How? Wait, I, your phone, you do, you don't have... Your authenticator phone is it's your regular only phone? Because I recently switched okay. phone. It's only okay. because I recently switched phones. But and, and I will switch over again. But but so it took me forever. But 
I will say, I think if, if Meta can solve that, the whole like you have to jump in and out thing, which is not difficult. Smart TVs can do that easily. You can figure it out. Anyway. Well, smart um, TVs also I, go straight to your phone. They're like, hey, look at your they phone. They do go to your phone to make it easier, to make it yeah. like instead of having to type your the password VR headsets through your make remote. That there is a way. hard, unfortunately. They got to find a way to figure yeah. it out. Like p- yeah. give me pass through. That's it. Anyway, um, once I m- managed to find myself in the space with Sam, it was Kind of like incredible how realistic it felt to me because he was wearing the Quest Pro, so his reactions and expressions were very well very well moving and things. Yeah, Mm. he was making faces at me, and then I farted in the space, Uh and he didn't smell it. Can you imagine? Yeah, (laughs) I farted in my home, and he didn't smell it in the office we were in. I can't imagine. I coughed in his face, Mm -hmm. and he did not get sick. Here are the benefits of VR right here. Your Absolutely. bodily functions just don't matter For anymore. For people who, don't, who great? don't no longer know how to behave in public, apparently. Right. That, that is great. That's, that's me. That's totally that's great. Me. <laughs> so you you liked it. Um, and also check out Sam's review of the Quest Pro. Yes. That is out there. Anything yes. else you want to talk about, Trillin? I know you've just been recovering, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm still working on holiday gift guide stuff, which oh, segues very neatly oh, man. into Around and Gadget. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting to publish our holiday gift guide stories. You will see everything this week. Um, I mean, what is we're hurtling fast towards the holiday season. It is November. Mariah Carey is about to make a lot of money. So what are we, we have guides. I don't know what guide you were writing. Um, Devendra, yeah, do you want to tell us? Computers and tablets, I believe. Uh, so many guides. There, it's a whirlwind of reviews and guides right now that we've all been working on. But yeah, go, go check out that stuff. If you want to ask me about like, Hey, what should I gift people? What, you know, what computer is good or something? Go, go read the guide, go read the guide and then talk to me. Then ask me if you have more oh. questions, please. Don't talk to Devendra. Yeah. I'm busy. I'm reviewing stuff. Uh, I also want to shout out uh, Steve Dent's review of the Canon or hands on of the Canon R6 II. Uh, headline is higher resolution, faster shooting and reduced heating issues. Uh, I do like it when uh, Steve gets nerdy with camera stuff. So it's worth a read if you are a Canon nerd and you want to see what's up with this camera. Cool. I mean, we just talked about that Xiaomi ridiculous camera phone thing. So this is a, an actual camera. It's an actual camera, a usable camera. Okay. Let's move on to our Engadget picks for the week. Sherlyn, what you got? My pick is all for the holiday season. If you're, you know, thinking about what to get your loved ones this year, I think I might have said the same thing again last year, but get, I loved it when my friends got me, when I went back to Singapore, mm-hmm. uh, all this stuff for body and hand soap and shower and that sort of stuff, right? So the brand... Was that Aesop? Was that a sign? I guess. I don't know. No, it's not. They were not like you stink. We got to clean her up. (laughs) No, it was more. It was more. um, They know how much I like to pamper myself with the the nice smelling things. And Aesop has a lot of very good stuff. Um, Some other brands, if you need inspiration, I like Sabon. I like um, as if I'm putting out a public. This is your pop culture picks. I didn't say it's pop culture. Look, we never said these were pop from the beginning. This could be anything. But go ahead. Okay, fine. Nice creams. Your pick is nice cream. Nice body creams and brands like L'Occitane and uh, Saban and Taka and, and sure. Rituals. Treat and yourself. And so there's a lot of options out there. Treat yourself and treat your friends. Treat yourself. Okay. I'm going to talk about some actual pop culture here. The Midnight Club, which is the next show from Mike Flanagan. Um, first of all, this is your jam, Sherlyn, because you've, you've, we've talked about all the Mike Flanagan stuff. Um, so last year he did Midnight Mass, which I think is one of the best like horror series mm. I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, Midnight good. Club is the next in that vein. And what's really interesting is that it is uh, adapted from a book by Christopher Pike. 
And I loved Christopher Pike as a kid. Um, he was sort of like the grown-up R.L. Stein, so or at least a teenager R.L. Stein, you know. So I always dug his books. This one is about a group of terminally ill kids who are staying at a hospice that may or may not be haunted. Um, but I think, as usual, it's a really it's really good use of horror, but also it's a really interesting exploration of death and grief because these kids are all basically waiting to die. You know, and Mike Flanagan, being the brilliant writer and director he is, I think does a great job of exploring that and giving us characters. Haunting of Hill House yeah. was amazing. Haunting of Hill with House. That, yeah. I like Bly Manor as well. I like everything he does. I think he is a guy. He's a freaking genius. So if you want some spooky stuff, uh, Midnight Club is good. It may be a little, it skews a little more young than I think the other stuff. If you want something a little more adult, maybe Midnight Mass is a thing. Uh, but I kind of, I, I like this. And also every episode is different because it's about the kids telling each other stories and they go into different genres. I think it's really good. It's really cool. Um, if you want a little more grown-up horror, I would recommend Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which is the new anthology series he just kicked off on Netflix as well. I have seen about half of them so far. And, you know, like any anthology, they're hit or miss. But I think there's some really cool stuff in there. There's one by David Pryor, the director of The Empty Man, that I think is like really cool and kind of mind-blowing on a cosmic level. Uh, Anna Lily Amarpour, a whole bunch of those, Panos Cosmatos, like a lot of great horror directors have done um, segments for this. So I think it's worth checking out. I would. Is that Rupert Grint on the image we're seeing he, he, on I this believe uh, he is in live stream? One. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Um, he's also in fun stuff. I don't know if you've been watching Servant on Apple TV Plus, but he's in that, and that is a great creepy Shyamalan show. Um, fair warning, warning for anybody afraid of rats. Anybody, oh, anybody God. in general, anybody oh. in general, uh, maybe don't watch episode two. Maybe don't watch okay, the episode called Not Graveyard Rats because it is Ooh. your nightmare. <laughs> your nightmare thank you for the rats. heads up i would never it's watch. also yeah, called graveyard rats so i don't think you, you would ever would have watched yeah, it I would, but no I would there's not. you know thousands of rats there's giant rats there's monster rats oh, and i felt okay. like watching this i wish i could trick Shirley into watching this at some point mm. because i feel like that would be fun so anyway folks if you want to rickroll uh Shirley at some point maybe graveyard rats give it a shot i don't know or be or be nice Shirley has a phobia of rats so that's my thing um halloween is over we've had a lot of like spooky things to watch i don't know do you did you do anything for halloween Shirley? because you've been trapped could you do anything yeah i did i was finally i cleared my isolation period thankfully and was able to do my birthday and halloween at the same time and guess who i went to us i went to us shercules that's all happy halloween and happy holiday season everyone well that's it for the episode this week everyone thank you as always for listening our theme music is by game composer dale north our outro music is by our very own terence o'brien this podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter. And I podcast about movies and TVs at the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to send me cute pictures of what the opposite of rats are, you can send them to me, I guess for now still, on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcastedengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. I farted in the space and he didn't smell it. Can you imagine?